0: If you like what you hear today, please subscribe to our podcast and join us every month at SoundBites for more insights on understanding, managing, and thriving with psoriasis and psoriatic arthritis.
1: My name is Sheep Mozaferian, and I'm here today with psychiatrist Dr. Vanessa Cutler to talk about a topic that may resonate with many of you, psoriatic disease, body image, and self-esteem. In addition to having a clinical practice at NYU Langone Health, Dr. Cutler is a clinical assistant professor with the Department of Psychiatry at NYU Grossman School of Medicine in New York. The medical director of behavioral health at Four Winds Hospital in Saratoga Springs, New York, and is a contributing author to Essential Psychiatry for the Aesthetic Practitioner, which is the guide for practitioners to help with assessment and identification of psychiatric diseases and tips to help with obsessive, compulsive, and body dysmorphic disorders associated with skin diseases such as psoriasis some of which we'll talk about today. Welcome, Dr. Cutler. Thank you for joining Soundbites today. As you know, psoriasis can negatively affect body image, self-esteem, and quality of life. Psoriasis and psoriatic arthritis can also impact mental health and cause anxiety. What is the connection between the mind and the skin? And why does psoriatic disease have such an impact on mental health?
2: So first of all, thank you for having me, Shiva. We can start with a very basic lesson in the study of how humans develop from conception. The nervous system and the skin are actually derived from the same embryological layer. So even from the very beginning of human development, we see that there is a very intimate connection between the mind and the skin. As fully formed people, we start to see that this is a two-way relationship. So how an emotional state bears itself on the skin, like blushing out of embarrassment, and also how the condition of the skin might impact mood, like the discovery of facial acne before a big date. As related to psoriatic disease specifically, we have known for a very long time that psoriatic disease and depression are linked, and that people with psoriasis are at high risk for developing depression. We don't exactly know why. However, one of the leading hypotheses is that both depression and psoriasis are secondary to systemic inflammation in the body and the brain.
1: Thank you so much for establishing that connection. You mentioned your publication. I know that you've written about the psychology of beauty in the Central psychiatry for the aesthetic practitioner. From your experience on this topic, do you think that social media impacts the perception of self, beauty, and appearance?
2: The short answer is Yes but this is a huge topic with a lot of variables at play. For all of the benefits of social media, there are a lot of aspects about social media that frankly are not very good for us. And one of those areas is self-esteem and perception of beauty standards and ideals. Much of what is published on social media is not reality. Skin is smoothed and airbrushed, teeth are whitened, and even the shape of a body can be changed. And this all happens at the touch of a fingertip and within seconds. The ability to morph ourselves into idealized or more beautiful and handsome versions of ourselves can start to affect perception of self. And this is certainly being seen in plastic surgery and cosmetic dermatology offices where a patient will bring in a filtered picture of themselves with the hope of actually getting permanent results. Generally, it seems that increased usage of social media results in worsening of self-esteem.
1: Sorry, just give me one second. I just need to delete my Instagram. (laughs) But in all seriousness, that's such an important perspective to hear. Thank you so much for sharing this with us. So you alluded to how body image and sense of attractiveness are associated with self-esteem, potentially happiness, disease severity, and overall quality of life. Can this image change through different stages of life? And is race or ethnicity also a factor?
2: Yeah, this is actually really interesting. So it seems like body dissatisfaction actually remains relatively stable throughout life. So if you are someone who is constantly dissatisfied with your body or unable to accept flaws, there's a really good chance that age will not change that. We also know that there are slight but measurable differences amongst differing demographic groups when it comes to body image satisfaction. Women, for example, do have higher body image concerns as compared to men. However, the importance of appearance actually tends to decline as one ages. It seems that Black women actually report greater happiness with their appearance than white women, And white women also report lower happiness with their appearance than Asian women. So we do know that there is some data to support differences amongst different racial groups. And it also seems that gay and bisexual men tend to report poorer body image than heterosexual men. And this seems to also be consistent in the literature.
1: So let's turn to body dysmorphic disorder. What is body dysmorphic disorder, or BDD, and what is the cause? So body dysmorphia is a condition where
2: people are obsessively preoccupied with an imagined physical defect or a minor physical flaw in their appearance. An example of this would be refusing to leave the house because you believe that a mole is taking over your face. The prevalence of body dysmorphia disorder has been thought to be around 2% of the population, though there are estimates that as many as 10% of the population may be affected by body dysmorphia. Typically, BDD starts during adolescence and young adulthood. We don't really know exactly what the cause of BDD is, but because there are a lot of overlapping symptoms with anxiety disorders, we tend to think that there are certain areas of the brain that might be implicated in BDD. Interestingly, there are quite a few studies that have shown abnormalities with visual processing in people with BDD, particularly their ability to process or pick up on facial details, like identifying upside-down faces. Like many of the illnesses that we treat in psychiatry, there also tends to be a hereditary component to body dysmorphia, and individuals with a first-degree relative with BDD are more likely to also have BDD. The hereditary connection has also been established in studies of identical twins.
1: That's so interesting. So does body dysmorphia affect both men and women equally? And is having a skin disease such as psoriasis a contributing factor?
2: So this is another really good question, as there is a lot of conflicting data on whether or not the prevalence of body dysmorphia is higher in women or whether or not men and women experience it equally. And I think that a lot of this probably has to do with the fact that women with body dysmorphia are much more preoccupied with skin issues, breasts, and legs, while men with body dysmorphia tend to zone in on other aspects of themselves. We do know that dermatological patients tend to have a higher incidence of body dysmorphia than the general population, and the overwhelming majority of those patients tend to be women.
1: So most of us, including myself, have issues with body image. How do you know if worrying about your appearance, such as having visible psoriasis plaques, is a sign of dysmorphia? What are some of the symptoms of body dysmorphic behavior? Can you provide an example? Sure. It is very normal to be distressed
2: about a visible, painful skin lesion. In fact, if I met someone in my practice who had multiple visible skin lesions and they expressed absolutely zero frustration about these lesions, I would be very concerned about the patient's lack of insight. I start to think about a body dysmorphia diagnosis when I meet someone whose entire life seems to revolve around a slight or perceived problem with their appearance. Symptoms of BDD are obsessive, intrusive thinking about this problem and taking up large amounts of the day, repetitive behaviors like excessive mirror checking or repeated visits to the doctor for cosmetic help, and a level of distress that is out of proportion to the perceived problem. An example of this would be someone with really well-controlled psoriatic disease going to great lengths to hide a small plaque or refusing to socialize or date due to concerns that someone may see a small plaque on their arm, in addition to spending a lot of time thinking about the plaque itself.
1: And what are some of the general symptoms of
2: anxiety? There do seem to be a lot of overlapping symptoms between body dysmorphia and anxiety disorders. In particular, there is a high comorbidity of obsessive-compulsive disorder with body dysmorphia. And we do consider obsessive-compulsive disorder to be on the spectrum of anxiety disorders. So the physical symptoms of anxiety can run the gamut from stomach problems to heart palpitations, tense muscles, sweating or shaking, or even having shortness of breath. Additional symptoms of anxiety are feeling restless or on edge, having problems with sleep, and an inability to concentrate due to ruminative thoughts. Symptoms of OCD are a little bit different, and these can be characterized as repeated intrusive thoughts that cause a lot of distress, followed by a repetitive act that someone is driven to perform due to the obsession, like checking behaviors or going to great lengths to organize things.
1: So how important is it to see a mental health professional such as yourself for the diagnosis of anxiety and or body dysmorphia? How is a diagnosis made?
2: It's very important to see a board certified psychiatrist for the workup and treatment of anxiety or body dysmorphia. Unfortunately, people with body dysmorphia often do not think that their self perception is incorrect. And frequently, these individuals are referred to psychiatry only by an aesthetic practitioner because they do not believe that they have a problem or they believe that the next procedure is the one that will finally make them feel better with very little understanding into the actual issue at hand. When people have anxiety, especially debilitating anxiety, the diagnosis tends to present itself. Unfortunately, people with severe anxiety disorders often feel like maybe they'll get over it and they only show up for help once they have stopped attending work or aren't leaving the house and things in their lives are truly falling apart. Making a diagnosis of anxiety or body dysmorphia typically involves a clinical assessment and exam, as well as ruling out other potential medical causes, which can run the gamut from thyroid problems, vitamin deficiencies, medication side effects, and sometimes even a cancer.
1: So should someone receive a diagnosis of body dysmorphia or anxiety what are the treatment options?
2: The best treatment for body dysmorphia is a combination of medication as well as cognitive behavioral therapy. We tend to use a group of medications called SSRIs, like fluoxetine or sertraline, as they have some of the best evidence for use of treatment in body dysmorphia. The same tends to go for anxiety disorders as well, where the best combination of treatment is going to be a medication like an SSRI in combination with cognitive behavioral therapy. Not infrequently, people with body dysmorphia will find themselves in an aesthetic medical setting, like a med spa, cosmetic dermatology, dentist or plastic surgery office, hoping to fix the perceived flaw. Unless the aesthetic practitioner is well-versed in body dysmorphia, these patients may end up getting unnecessary procedures that have their own associated risks. Unsurprisingly, these patients don't feel any better about themselves after the procedure is done. And body dysmorphia disorder is actually a contraindication for plastic surgery because it really can be very detrimental to these patients.
1: And so what would you recommend to help build self-esteem to counter negative thoughts like the person who's constantly thinking, oh, I need this fixed, but I need that fixed. For someone with psoriasis with visible plaques in a location like the face or the scalp, which may be hard to cover up, how can a person overcome feeling self-conscious and the fear of being judged or teased because of how they look? Sure. So engaging in activities
2: that make you feel good about yourself really is key. If you love the gym or you're an amazing golfer or wonderful artist, then get to it. Any activity that you can do that makes you feel strong, accomplished, or fulfilled is encouraged. For many people, plaques tend to wax and wane. So reminding yourself that these are not permanent can also be helpful to tolerate the distress caused by the plaque. If these strategies don't work, then it's probably time to consider outpatient therapy to learn and practice some basic cognitive behavioral therapy skills or acceptance and commitment therapy.
1: And what would you say to the individual who has a hard time looking in the mirror because all they see is the psoriasis and not who they really are? Assuming
2: that an individual is in close contact with their dermatologist and really doing everything that can be done, I really think that this is the kind of situation that probably deserves more professional attention from a therapist and a psychiatrist. And my recommendation would be to seek out professional help, which of course is much easier said than done and takes a lot of courage to do. So I'm curious
1: is it possible to prevent feelings of low self esteem, body dysmorphia, or social anxiety when you have a potentially visible skin condition such as psoriasis? I think it
2: is. But also understand that to an extent, it is normal to feel upset or distressed by a visible lesion. And for many people, learning to love and accept yourself, including the flaws, takes time and patience and is a fluid concept. I always like to remind patients that therapy is a three-steps-forward, two-steps-back trajectory. And while nobody would ever deny that physical appearance is not important... What tends to make people happy, and this actually really is the scientific definition of happiness, is positive emotion, engagement, relationships, meaning, and accomplishment. So if you'll notice, appearance does not seem to be a pillar of happiness. Focusing on strengthening those aspects of your life will make for a more fulfilled life and improve self-esteem in the long run.
1: What great advice. I think that's a good message that many people need to hear. That is the science of happiness. So if body dysmorphia is left untreated, what can happen with self-esteem, anxiety, or overall mental health? Where can someone obtain help if needed?
2: Body dysmorphia, especially severe cases, can be incredibly difficult to treat and obviously is very debilitating. Unfortunately, people with body dysmorphic disorder are at a very high risk for a suicide attempt. In fact, there is some older research that shows that people with body dysmorphia have a completed suicide rate that is 20 times higher than the general population. Untreated body dysmorphia really has the potential to be a fatal illness. If someone is acutely at risk of harming themselves, they must be brought to the hospital, In general, people with body dysmorphia should follow closely with an outpatient therapist who is experienced in treating BDD, as well as with a psychiatrist who is also knowledgeable about body dysmorphic disorder. Both the International OCD Foundation and the Body Dysmorphic Disorder Foundation are great resources to find specialists who treat BDD and also to learn more about BDD.
1: Wow, that's a pretty significant statistic. I didn't realize BDD is so closely tied to suicide. Actually,
2: we consider anorexia to be the deadliest illness that we treat in psychiatry, and I would say body dysmorphia is probably a close second.
1: Well, I'm so glad we're doing this podcast today to help raise awareness about body dysmorphia, addressing low self-esteem, and how it all relates to psoriatic disease. Dr. Keller, do you have any final advice you'd like to share with those who struggle with their body image and psoriatic disease?
2: So I really want to encourage those who are struggling, especially people who struggle silently with their body image due to shame and guilt, to reach out for support and to know that you are not alone in feeling this way and that the resources for help are out there.
1: What a wonderful message to end this episode. Thank you, Dr. Cutler, for joining us today and for offering such great advice to address body image and psoriasis. For more information about this topic and other issues that impact mental health, you can follow Dr. Cutler on Instagram at Dr. Vanessa Cutler. And finally, for our listeners, to learn more about the emotional impact of psoriasis and psoriatic arthritis and what to do about it by calling our patient navigation center at 800-723-9166. Or by emailing education at psoriasis.org to request the free emotional impacts guide. As a reminder, you can now find Soundbite CME episodes at psoriasis.org forward slash CME library. And finally, thank you to our sponsors who provided support on behalf of the Soundbites episode through unrestricted educational grants. Appy, Amgen, Bristermouse, Webb, Jansen, and Lily. We hope you
0: enjoyed this episode of Soundbites for people with psoriasis and psoriatic arthritis. If you or someone you love has ever struggled with psoriatic disease, our hope is that through this series, you'll gain information to help you lead a healthier life and inspire you to look to the future. Please join us for another inspiring podcast. You can find this or all future episodes of SoundBites on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, iHeartRadio, Google Play, Ghana, and the National Psoriasis Foundation webpage.